Hey, this is Robin's episode 52 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. I know I say it just about every time, but my favorite part of the new studio is this mixing board. <laughs> a fancy piece of equipment. I love it. I always like to see the look on people's face when you play the intro. And then it's like, okay, this is kind of a thing. It's, it's like kind of a thing deal. here. It's the real deal. I'm here with Cat of Coffee People Zine. That's me. Issue 10, yeah. now out. I was just looking through it again this morning. Absolutely beautiful book of, I mean, really book, more the, more so than a magazine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but would you care to explain issue 10 and then we can kind of Tarantino it from there and go back to the beginning of your story and then end back at issue 10. At yeah, the we'll end. do a little bit of hip hop back and forth here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The So issue 10, Coffee People Zine, um, I started it in 2018. Now it is 2020. Um, issue 10 is a beautiful, beautiful, yeah, like you said, it's a book. It's it's more a book than a magazine. It's all art and poetry, photography, short stories, articles by folks in and around the coffee industry. Um, this issue 10 focuses exclusively on black creators within the coffee industry. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it it's really interesting, I think, because it falls completely in line with every single other um, issue. Like, if at least for me, when I open it up, like it it's completely in the line of like it's it's within the canon um if you didn't know that it was all black creators i think you wouldn't know that mm. it is all black creators because i mean you know all creators create yeah it's, a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a difficult thing to approach and you see a lot of larger corporations approaching in a really tacky like unauthentic way of like oh this seems to be the trend right now we need to help support underrepresented communities but I, just looking through this i think it was a beautiful representation in the sense that like these are just people doing really cool things and this issue happens to have this focus and that's to me is a more long-term sustainable way to create equity like equity within especially coffee which is something that like it is this kind of thankfully now being spoken about more but kind of unspoken thing that it is a very white community of people and oh, it's, sure. there's no like root co it's kind of hard to identify why is this happening it's a very inviting community how can it be more equitable yeah. and that was the cool thing about this is sometimes you see those things where it's like this is what we're doing because it's on trend right now and that's not the vibe i got at all reading this and just the way you handled it of handing over that like this is not my place to kind of and tell me if i'm speaking out of line but like yeah. basically it's not my voice that should be telling this story and yeah. i thought that was a very very cool way to handle it and made it just extremely authentic and not at all like virtue signaling or any risk that is because it's kind of totally. a risky uh issue to address yeah absolutely and especially like obviously i am a white person obviously to the people watching yeah. um and yeah so it is it is kind of a it's a difficult thing to address from a place of um, like to, to not be performative, um, which is, yeah, like it's a really good word for it. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't want to have that virtue signaling, that performance, that optic of like, oh, it's cool to talk about Black Lives Matter now. So I'm going to jump on it. Um, I really wanted to like I, I wanted it to be genuine and I wanted it to be real and I wanted it to be something that is is again like in line with all of the other zines that i've put out um not like a not a deviation of like oh now now we need to change things but like okay how have i failed as someone who has created a platform how have i failed to be in like in 
inclusive um, and have different voices? And how have I failed to reach people whose voices aren't heard in other places? How have I failed to invite them in? Um, and yeah, like you, you mentioned uh, me handing over control. So for all of the other issues, I've been the executive editor for all of them basically just means that I control what goes in, mm-hmm. where it goes, layout. Yeah, as you would in a stuff. magazine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as you mentioned, I um, hired somebody else to do that uh, for this issue because, yeah, as a white person, I didn't think that it was right for me to be the final voice of, okay, like, you know, I'm asking for all of this art by uh, folks of color in our industry, and then I get to be the one who decides how that looks. Yeah. Like, that just you know, that it is too much gatekeeping and, um, I didn't think was right. So yeah, I hired somebody else who did a fantastic job. Shout out to KP. Um, yeah, Corey Pickett, KP, she did a fantastic, wonderful, beautiful job. Um, and I was super, super happy to work with her and basically, yeah, to hand this over to her (laughs) and she did a fantastic job. Yeah. The curation of the art and the poetry, it's all, it, the way it flows is very natural. And it's, uh, it is a very honest representation and view of our industry. And what I liked most of just your introduction to the zine was of this issue was that I think, again, going back to what you saw, a lot of people just doing performative, we'll post it for this week until it's no longer trending and then we'll go back to normal. What you said is that, yes, this episode is dedicated to this, but moving forward, this isn't a one-time solution. This isn't a one-time thing. And I think that's something that not a lot of people are addressing, that it's like, okay, we said we care. Now, if anyone calls us out, we can go back and show them that we care and right. then we're good now. We're, we did our thing. Right. And that was something I was struggling with during it because it's like, if you're familiar with the Folly branding, you know that most of what we do is just like we care about really good coffee and everything else is we're just kind of messing around. And so I'm like, well, it's not definitely not our place to be. We're definitely not the voices of like uh, any sort of authority on this, sure. but we do care about it because we I deeply care about people within all communities is really what it is. And so I've had discussions about like as a really small business, what can we do? And that the conclusion we came to uh I had a great discussion with Bradley who owns uh, Donut Trap and he came on a podcast episode. We ended up talking for like two hours after the episode. Mm. And basically what we determined was like small businesses, you can't do what a huge corporation could do in, in the forms of like a huge monetary donation, starting a fund, doing these huge things. But you can do what we ended up doing with Up Coffee of like small things of like a coffee collaboration where we donate the proceeds of like really looking at what we're doing and how how can we help and determining that like it's the continued effort that's far, far more important than the the one time thing. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out what that continued effort is for us, mm-hmm. especially not having a cafe, not having a storefront. Uh, I think coffee collaborations is my obvious answer that like, let's just keep doing those because those are fun to do. Awesome. Mm-hmm. They raise awareness of awesome organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really resonated with me. And I think that's if if anybody could take away one thing is like, that's the thing is don't do it when it's trending. Don't do it when it's fun. Don't do it when everybody's going to support you. Do it when it's also hard decisions to be made in the future and keeping it in mind. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's something that I also am, I don't want to say struggling with, but like, but working towards is how can I change the systems that I have in place? Uh, How can I change, adjust, um, and expand the networks that I'm part of to continue to do more of this, continue to learn? I mean, also like as a white person doing more anti-racism work within myself, Mm -hmm. doing more um, like learning and expanding, yeah, the people that I 
talk with on a daily basis, the people that I hear from, learn from on a daily basis, I think is also a really important piece, especially as for, for me, someone who has created a platform that I am inviting other people onto, how can I not just say like, well, I have this platform so anyone can, you know, join in, but how can I address the systemic, the systemic and internalized racism to, to continue to work towards more inclusivity, more diversity, more equity. Yeah, because it's almost the thing where I think when a lot of this happened, the response I see from a lot of people uh, that that's like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, what, what, why do I need to change? I haven't done anything wrong. And it's kind of the thing where it's like, even if you haven't done something wrong, there's still more right to be done. And that's the, that's the mindset I try to keep. And it is difficult sometimes when you're like swallowed up by like, hey, we're also trying to stay in business and we're also got to worry about our own stuff, but also trying to grow in that way. And again, like I said, there's no obvious answer, but if anything has happened and that's kind of tying it back to your intro is like, it's the always having it be a part of your focus in the future and having it be how can we think about these things as we're moving forward and so that that part really resonated with me uh, like just outside of this the the issue itself and being able or uh, the magazine issue mm-hmm. itself and being able to read these stories and see it from the other side yeah. um, and these stories are stories I've heard from fat friends that have similar experiences that you just don't think of especially me as like I know how I look I'm like a white bro looking dude like <laughs> I people probably yeah. assume things about me but the things I get to assumed out are just that I like certain things and I maybe I don't and that's sure. about as bad as it gets for me right, right and having and realizing that it's like okay picture that where somebody might judge me for being like a broy dude but for real serious issues right. but then that could kill you exactly. <laughs> yeah 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 and and it's like as lighthearted of a half joke that is that's it's very real yeah. and that's it's like you have to take in some way, it's like I try to take any sort of personal thing I have and be like, can I relate to this? And the real answer is like, not really. Right. And so yeah. things like this are really important because I can't relate, but that doesn't mean that I should ignore it. Right. Yeah. And I think that that, that kind of reminds me of a, a really important thing within the scene as well, is that like one thing that I've heard time and time again from the people of color that I know, especially in the industry is like, especially with like Michelle Johnson, the chocolate barista, like something that she has said over and over, like both personally and at in panels and things is like, okay, like, yes, I am a black barista. I'm a black person in coffee. And also like, I'm a person in coffee. Don't just ask me about being black. Don't just ask me about like, I want to talk about brew methods. I want to talk about, you know, my art. I want to talk about like, don't just ask me what it's like to be black in coffee. Ask me what it's, like to be in coffee ask me how I like to take my coffee ask me my favorite shops you know um or ask me like I'm an educator ask me how I educate people um so yeah like what you said just kind of reminded me of that is like sure that there there are certain things that we can't relate to but also like there are a lot of things that we have in common if we can you know we have to both I don't know hold, hold space and recognize the differences but then also like talk about the things that we have in common in a way that isn't like exclusionary or you know th- this is just for certain people yeah and open open discussions is where a lot of these things are discovered because i think right now a lot of people are like afraid to ask the questions where they legitimately don't know and the cultural landscape is constantly changing and so i'm the first to be like i 
a lot of the time don't know. And so when I ask a question, this is not with bad intentions. If I say something that I don't mean to, it's not with bad intentions. But can I ask these questions and have these open discussions? And those are the discussions that I get the most out of where it's like, you know what, I'm completely wrong on this. Mm. And like, I try to find conversations where I get my opinion changed and get, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know how to put it better than that. That like, it's the, the hard discussions where like going into it, you're like, oh man, this could lead to me looking like an idiot to somebody I really care about. But like, if I don't ask these questions, I'll just continue to assume things. And sure. usually it's when I'm assuming things that mm-hmm. actual stupidity happens. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you have to be, you have to be willing and able to make mistakes. Fuck up. Oh, can we swear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should just say that at the beginning. It comes up every episode. <laughs> oh, great. Um, yeah, you have to, you have to be able to, and then apologize and learn from it and then move on. Um, but yeah, I think you have to have a willingness to, to mess up and, and then be better, yeah. do better next time. And it's like the the intention thing, I think, is something that's lost in social media a lot. And mm. like people will take snippets of conversations or take screenshots of whatever, take it out of context and try to make it bigger than what it is. And so when I go into tough conversations, it's like the first thing I always put out there is like, hey, I just want you to know, like legitimately, first of all, I have to say it a lot. I'm not joking right now. Like I'm being 100% serious because mm-hmm. I joke almost all the time. <laughs> so when I'm actually serious, I'm just like, hey. to like... Yeah. Hey, I'm 100% serious here and I'm actually wondering this. And Jeff can tell you that I'd ask him a lot of these things because he is way more intuitive about a lot of things than I am. And so I will bounce a lot of things off of him. And I'll. he knows me by now that I don't have to do it quite as much, but it's just like, hey, I'm actually curious about this. I'm curious about the, like, what do you think about, especially with uh, all the issues being in Minneapolis, the racial divide and the issues here. It's a lot of the stuff that I've been bouncing questions off of him and people I know that are more involved in the community and being able to bounce ideas off of them. But like this is, I think, not only just a beautiful issue and what you do is cool overall for the coffee community, but this uh, this issue, and I am referring to issue 10, yeah, yeah. Uh, is a really cool way to be able to get like an unadulterated, unedited, like no ulterior motives view of, uh, especially within this industry. And so I just wanted to, alliterate on that quite a bit because I found this to be very cool and like a pretty eye-opening thing of just I mean one of the one of the insights in here that I never really thought about is somebody who's like yes the coffee community is somewhere where I'm told I can be 100% myself but I still have to kind of dial it back because when I'm truly myself as a person of color I'm told I'm too much or Mm -hmm. it's inappropriate and Mm -hmm. you go Oh man, I could think of scenarios where that's probably the truth, where somebody yeah. I know acts different in different situations, or you see it happening, yeah. and so just a small insights like that can change how you treat people or how you uh, approach situations. Yeah, so for sure. definitely rambling a bit about this, no, but it's just it's, it. such <laughs> a un- it's such a unique thing because there aren't many. Un- I get very jaded by a lot of the things that you see on social media and a lot of yeah. the a lot of the content you see created around this because you're like this weird thing where so many people saw it as an opportunity to promote themselves and you're like oh it's just gross Mm -hmm. and so like i just think this is so cool so issue 10 people's in check it out um best way is your website for this yeah yeah Yeah, coffeepeople.org um is the is the website and we have subscriptions available that's a really great way to get this issue and then also every issue to come you can also just buy this issue by itself um and all of the back issues as well but Go get it. Get it's awesome. I mean, one. how cool will you look having these issues on your coffee table as a coffee person mm-hmm. or not mm-hmm. a coffee person? 
if you just want to look hip and cool alone <laughs> from the yeah. visual side of it, yep. it's well worth the it's investment. Nice. People yeah. are going to think you're super cool, which is really the end goal here. It's true. Yeah. And, and then, well, and the thing that I, the thing that I love about you know this issue and all the issues, but especially this one, is that it is like it is for coffee people mm-hmm. because there's like coffee brewing, you know, talk of coffee brewing, talk of being a barista, whatever. But it's also just art it's visual stimulus it's poetry it's beautiful in and of itself so like even even if you're not in the coffee industry it's still really really worthwhile and again especially this issue because it is like it's absolutely kp did an amazing job curating this i'm like i'm so 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 proud of of her and of this issue in particular yeah and so that my understanding just kind of like reading about people's in and your story behind it is the idea that like yes coffee people do coffee really well but almost every coffee person has a unique story and it almost always ties back some way to some art form and that's been like a reoccurring thing like just yesterday lee carter from uh, five watt in and Mm -hmm. he's like he's a bassist in multiple bands and even jeff our roaster was like a concert level i think sorry french horn french Uh. horn yeah (laughs) that's like what he majored in college i'm just like what the heck it's like you just learn more and more and like you just learn that the story behind the coffee people uh, that coffee is, especially the barista role, is more something people do to pay the bills that a lot of people end up falling in love with. Yeah. But it's something that's kind of subsidizing a more creative part of their life. Yeah. So, so what kind of discovery did you have that led you to, oh, I'm going to now devote my life and it's so, such a significant <laughs> portion of my life to telling these stories? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. So I started in coffee as a barista and then became a roaster and through that got really involved with the coffee community. I was living in Denver at the time mm. and just started getting to know the other baristas in town, the other roasters, the other managers, the other shop owners and everything uh, at at coffee events. And I had this one particular experience where there was this person who she had been my barista her name is breezy sanchez hi breezy um she had been my barista before i was even in coffee like before i even knew anything about it and then through working in coffee and going to throwdowns like we got to got to know each other a little bit and Throwdown being latte art throwdown, yes. by the way. Yes. I like to clarify little things. You're like, oh my gosh, there's a fight club in Denver? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, latte art throwdown um, where people do the best latte art, mm-hmm. you know, head to head. Um, and yeah, we went, we were at one of those one time and just like got to talking and basically we're talking about like, how's your shop? How's it going? Whatever. And then a couple months after that, it was September of twenty. 17 um she had a an art show at another local coffee shop they you know had rotating art shows and she invited me to it because she was inviting you know all of all of the coffee friends to it and I went to that and like my mind was blown by the quality of her artwork because here's somebody that I had known for a number of years and then gotten to know more through the coffee community and we had literally never talked about her artwork like she had and she's also just a very humble person Mm -hmm. but she we had we had hung out many nights for months we'd known each other for years and yeah we just had never talked about that and I was like what the heck like what do we spend our time talking about as people in the coffee industry like I love to nerd out about brew methods Mm -hmm. and total dissolved solids and roast curves like the next person you know but 
also like we are so much more as people. And I think I'm really, I really love just like relationships, establishing, building, working on relationships with people. And I just thought like, how limited are we as coffee people, as people in the industry? And also then in relating to our customers, how limited are we if all we talk about is coffee and we don't talk about the brilliant art that we mm-hmm. do. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes to uh, maybe more like connected the dots in my mind where I was like, oh yeah, this other person that I work with is a guitar player in a band. This other person that I work with is a photographer. This other person, and just like kind of connecting all of those dots where I'm like, huh, there's a lot of creativity in the coffee industry that we kind of, like that's kind of like there, but we don't really talk about it. Um, and there isn't really a platform for that. So there are like, you know, national and global competitions for latte art, for brewing, for roasting, for being a barista. But there isn't or there wasn't a place, a platform, a, like basically like an open stage to talk about non-coffee things within the coffee industry. So basically that's what I wanted to create is like – just just to open the door so that people had a, almost like an excuse to start talking about the other important passion like important passions and hobbies that they had it's it's almost like there's so many creative people in coffee that it starts to become normalized that you're like oh my creative thing is just i mean this person over here also does this and that that it's like yeah. it's not even worth bringing up because yeah. everybody here is doing their own cool thing and i don't want to and i think uh, especially you run into a lot of people say well, i don't want to brag or sure, or, or yeah, the yeah. classic imposter syndrome especially <laughs> in the creative sure. community yeah. of like I, I run into artists that are just like well i can't sell this that would be i can't charge money for this i, I yeah. it's not i feel like i could do better and you're like are you kidding me this is crazy yeah for sure yeah it's a it's a strange it's a strange world because there is there's definitely like imposter syndrome people being humble not wanting to brag and then there's also like you touched on before a lot of people do coffee stuff at least at the beginning to kind of like supplement like the income so that they can do their creative pursuits and I think a lot of times especially in our in our like world we're taught that art isn't a valuable pursuit Mm -hmm. it's something that you do on the side it's something that you do you know it's something that you do when you retire or it's something that you do in your free time and it's not you know unless you're a musician in a touring money-making band or whatever um it's not something that is worthwhile and it's not something that's valued. And then even the musicians in the touring bands were told for 10 years, <laughs> what you're doing is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You need to go get a real job and yeah. then they're touring and then people say, oh, okay, right, this is a right. real thing now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah, it's, I think that, and that's also what I wanted to kind of shake up with Coffee People Zine, like talking about value structures. What do we, what do we place value on? What do we think is worthwhile? What, what, actions activities people do we think are worthwhile and like can we change that um because i think that at least for me it wasn't really that interesting to be honest going to latte art throwdowns all the time and because the same you know the same however many people especially if you live in a in a smaller town (laughs) the same however many people will show up and you can point out that person's going to get first. That person's mm-hmm. There's get your top second. three. There's right. going to be your fringe. This person may right. make a run. Right. Yeah. Right. Like this person may do well if somebody else messes up in yeah. a round. But 
And I, I was, so I kind of had those thoughts at the same time that I was like going to Breezy's art show and stuff. Just like, what do we, is really the thing that we value most, how you can pour a design on top of a latte? Like, is that really the most important thing that we can offer as people, <laughs> as baristas? But it looks so cool. Right. I, hey, and I, I get love- <laughs> way more likes on Instagram when I post it, oh, though. So yeah. I yeah. think what you're saying is valid, but these likes, these likes Those are, likes are that's what, what that's I'm in it for. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, you know, and I, 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 I like latte art and work on latte art yeah. as much as the next person. But also I was like, but can we, like, isn't there more that we can be, you know, it doesn't have to be a knocking of latte art. It doesn't have to be a write off of the people who do well at that. But like, what else can we bring in? Mm -hmm. Like what else, how else can we find value within each other? Because also I found, and this kind of, this, I, I think has a, had a tie into issue 10 of the zine. Um, I realized, especially in Denver, all of the people winning were white men who owned their own cafes mm. and like they already start out with a certain level of privilege like if you are a if you are a person who owns your cafe you probably have more time to just like well i don't want to you know bash owners because i know that it takes a lot of work but you, you if got you can off hour access right. you to, like literally 24 hours a day if you want to go practice you could right. you don't have to ask anyone permission right. to you don't have to worry about wasting milk because it's your milk you're right. purchasing so right. there's a lot of things that go into yeah, practice of sure. latte art is yeah those so things the, become assumed yeah so there were there were I just kept looking around the room at seeing the people who were winning and realizing that the people that we were giving more adoration to are also the people who already start out with privilege. And who in this room is a brilliant poet, is a fantastic photographer, is a painter, is a musician that we that we're kind of writing off in this, you know, coffee competition community um, that that has brilliant things to offer brilliant things to give and we're just not giving them the time of day because there's no platform for it um but yeah so and so that's again kind of drawing a line to issue 10 i wanted to give a i don't want to say give a voice because people already have a mm -hmm. voice but i wanted to build a platform so that people can share their voice more easily and have more more easy access to an audience that that might listen to them um, really at the beginning I was thinking about like LGBTQ issues. I was thinking about trans folks. I was thinking about, um, like black and indigenous people of color, but then, you know, kind of sh going back to my personal growth, I realized more recently, like, okay, I've built this platform, but really still a lot of the people who are submitting to it, I ha there's a lot of a lot of LGBTQ content, but there isn't a lot of of con content from people of color. And where am I failing to reach people of color who would love to share their story on this platform? Or if they wouldn't love to share their platform on this story, what can I do to create a a platform that is more, uh, I don't know, more conducive to sharing their story? Yeah, what is it about it currently that someone doesn't feel emboldened to submit things yeah, to it? for sure, yeah. So, um, but yeah, kind of calling back, going back to the first couple of issues, I really wanted to create a place for changing that value structure where it is not just people who pour latte art, people who already have privilege are getting more encouragement and getting more, like, 
celebration, but how can we change the value and celebrate people who haven't been celebrated and because they still they're they're brilliant we just haven't had a we just haven't recognized their brilliance yeah so how long when you have the idea that issue one comes out and what all went into that process good question because first of all i want to say that like traditional print like this when it's beautifully done there's something way more valuable to to me that's like i get to hold it i get to read it but then also i can i'm much much more likely to look back on this because i have it yeah and especially with the quality that's done i feel like an infomercial right now but (laughs) like the the quality that it's done with is you want to keep it versus like content you can consume it and then it's done and then on to the next thing and then also they control who sees the content whereas it's an interesting decision to me to go traditional print yeah what went into that decision as well yeah so it was september when i had the experience of going to Breezy's art show and the first issue came out in March of the next year. So there were, what is that? Six months? Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Numbers Uh, of months is a huge blind spot for me. (laughs) It's like really bad. There were months within that. um, Yeah. But it, it, so that's the wheel started turning and I started thinking like, I need to create something or I want to, I want to open a space somehow. How could I do that? Initially, I thought of creating an Instagram page, basically, and just posting different artists and the art that they do within the coffee industry. I thought about doing a blog um, where it would just be a blog page with a a written up article and then pictures of people and their art. Um, And I just kind of, I don't know, I, I thought, especially because I was focusing on artists, I wanted to create something that did stand the test of time, basically, that wasn't just another, you know, another thing to scroll past. I wanted to make something that was physical because I think art is a physical experience, whether you're creating it or you're, or you're ingesting it. I think that's a really good insight. Yeah. Thank you. And it's, it's, yeah, a physical, real in time personal experience and i i didn't think that you could get that with an instagram post with a blog and i wanted to really hold space and honor the people who were sharing their work so yeah i thought the best way to do that is with a physical product so you can hold it you can page through it you can touch it and in a world in a time right now and 2 years ago even more so now when we spend so much time staring at a screen and scrolling. I wanted to give people something that they could really physically be with, um, both for them as a both for readers, so that they could have that experience, and also, yeah, like to to honor and respect the work that the that the artists are putting in here. Yeah, no notifications are going to pop up while I'm in the middle of a mm-hmm. an article or looking at something. Really starting to ingest something. Nothing's going to ping and start yeah. to you can take your mind off. You yeah. can actually engage with it in a fully different way yes 100 percent. so that's that was the idea behind the print and it really was i don't know it wasn't like looking back it wasn't that hard of a choice it was more like hmm how could i do this instagram meh not gonna work blog i don't even know if people read blogs anymore that's not gonna work physically like something to hold in your hand physical print like yeah that'll work good <laughs> so um yeah that was it was kind of a I don't know, intuitive decision that I'm really, really happy about now um, and 
has has worked really well. And the first issue was 40, like 40 pages and was pretty much all artwork by people in and around Denver because that's who I knew at the time. And mm-hmm. I really, I started it thinking that it would be one issue. I didn't really think that it would grow into something that it is now. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea that I would be doing it, you know, two, three plus years. So yeah, I've, I've said this before multiple times, but it's like the, the things that fascinate me are, are where, when I know it and I don't know why I know it. And so with coffee, people's it's just like, I just knew it just being in the coffee community. You've heard of it. I can't tell you where I can't tell you who told me, but I just knew of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just talking off mic, but the way that we met is we opened the tasting and tour room. I invited Joe. He's like, Oh, I can't make it, but I'm going to invite one of my friends who's in town. <laughs> and he's like, Kat, the uh, founder of people's, you know, I was like, first of all, what's she doing here? And then second of all, well, okay. Yeah. Our soft opening. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's invite the founder of coffee people's in into the soft opening friends and family only thing. Oh, you did uh, great. And yeah, thankfully it went off uh, without any major disasters, but (laughs) that was the first time we met. And uh, just right away, uh, I was like, awesome energy. And just like, it's very obvious now how these get put together and with such intentionality, I was excited to have you on today. But that's, that's how we met. And so I guess part of the story is what are you doing here in town? I know we talked about it a little bit, but mm-hmm. obviously it's a strange year, but that yeah. brings you back to uh, the Minneapolis area. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I started the zine in Denver and moved back to Minneapolis in, I think it was the beginning of May. And my I grew up in Stillwater, Minnesota, so just outside the Twin Cities, and that's where my parents still live. So I moved home with my parents, um, partly, I mean, mostly because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I had been living in Denver for eight years around, yeah, around eight years. Like, gosh, that's a long time. <laughs> um, but was kind of looking for a change and didn't exactly know what that would be. Kind of towards the, I would say, like, I was starting to look at making a change around a year ago or so, uh, but just didn't really know what that would mean, where I would go. Um, I had started looking at a bunch of like small cities where you can get like a good apartment because Denver was also getting so expensive, crazy, so expensive. And yeah, about a year ago, actually almost nearly a year, almost exactly a year ago, I left my full-time job. I was working as a roaster and I left that to pursue the zine full-time and it wasn't and still isn't at a place where it is financially sustainable for me to live off of it especially in Denver Mm -hmm. so I had started looking at places to live that were a lot cheaper and I was traveling a lot a lot a lot and so I started thinking about moving home with my parents and kind of using that as a home base so that I could travel and not have rent to pay at a place that I wasn't you know in for at least half of the time and then coronavirus hit Mm -hmm. and I was like well I certainly cannot afford to live in Denver anymore um, because with um, with media, a lot of a lot of the money that comes in is through like sponsorships and mm-hmm. ads, and a lot of companies aren't sponsoring or taking out ads right now because everybody is <laughs> in a in a hard time financially. So, yeah, I just was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Um, and just figured moving home would be a a good option. I've been wanting to spend more time with my parents and wanting to spend less money on rent so Mm. that I could spend my time focusing on the zine, on growing it, on doing other projects that I'm interested in rather than spending my time just like scrounging enough money to pay rent. Right. How long were you in Denver? 
uh, eight years. What's it, what's it like being back home now? Oh man, um, <laughs> it was more. It's a more difficult transition than I <laughs> had anticipated. Um, I think. I think especially because of COVID. So I would, yeah, that may impact uh, yeah. your overall experience just a touch. Yes. So my parents both like they own a company they have a company together and so they're both also working from home so the three of us are living and working at home all the time and there's nowhere you know in normal times my brother uh i have a younger brother he lives in portland but he lived at home for a while and i asked him like how did you do it how did you deal with it and he was like i went out and hung out with my friends all the time i was like out of the house nearly all the time and we can't do that yeah. because of because of COVID, and I don't want to, you know, put myself or my parents at higher risk and spend time with people a lot. So I and I, so I just don't really leave, and my parents don't really leave. So we're just the three of us are all at home all the time, and we, you know, me being a a a, a, re, a real adult now, um, I have established different like patterns and routines and ways of like living than I did when I was a teenager living at home and my parents haven't really recognized that. So it's, it's like, I feel like I'm going through adolescence again where I'm like reestablishing my independence from like, no mom and dad, like this is how I love the dishwasher, (laughs) like stupid (laughs) stuff, you know? Um, But it's, it's been tough, but it's been good. Like I've been able to get closer um, to my parents and particularly my mom and I are really, really close and that's been really fun. And has being in a different geographical area changed kind of how your approach to the people zine and how you approach each issue? That's a really, hmm, I hadn't really thought about that. I think it's not so much about the being in a different geographical location as it is about like COVID and everything being hmm. like digital and virtual right now. Because as I mentioned, I had been traveling a lot, like I think last last year I was gone nearly half of the time mm. um, and or at least towards the end of end of 2019 um, and so I've I've had to adjust to be doing more things online more things on social media but then also finding a balance between like not being on social media too much because that can be super super like wearing on just my emotional well-being um and yeah i've it's been tough because a lot of the connections that i make within the coffee industry are at coffee events are at you know national or global coffee events that's how i find how, how i establish relationships with sponsors with potential people like with people who want to stock the zine in their mm-hmm. shops um or with people who want to submit their artwork and i have that hasn't that hasn't been available. Uh, so it's, it's been a challenge to find new people and create new relationships as well as maintaining old relationships. So yeah. yeah and the, the virtual thing is you see everybody approaching every single way to try to do everything virtual and just, especially something like art. It's just like, it's, it just gets lost Yeah, for at, sure. and trying to do all these virtual events and things are good. And I understand the intention behind them, but you just go, it's just absolutely not the same. You don't create right. the, the same connection. It's, it's, it's why I try to do as many of these episodes in person. Cause it's just mm-hmm. a different experience than even just the slight disconnect you get from a zoom call or the slight disconnect you get between seeing something 
through your phone or computer versus seeing it in person, being able to interact in that way. Yeah, for sure. How often do the, the issues come out? Every three months. So it's a seasonal publication. So uh, every it's like the on or around the first day of every season. So this was the autumn issue and then the next one will be winter. So so how soon after launching an issue does the work on the next one begin? <laughs> Immediately. Like already happening? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is why. So last year in 2019, I switched it to like three times a year just to kind of give myself an extra month between each one. But then... I wasn't able to publish as much artwork. I wasn't mm-hmm. able to, you know, do as much. So I wanted to, I, this year, 2020, I went back to um, four times a year and we'll continue to do that. But yeah, it's basically like one after the other after the other, which is also why it was so amazing to have KP working on this issue with me. And I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to hire her for the next one and, and future issues. I'm waiting to see what the finances look like because again, sponsorships are are not, quite there Um, and I want to be able to pay her you know a a good amount so that she it's not just her just doing it for fun yeah Um, but yeah it's it's pretty immediate um, especially because like gathering submissions like it happens on a rolling basis so I'm always accepting submissions for the next issue and the next issue and then also the like sponsorships trying to get sponsorships for each issue once once one comes out it's like okay now i need to make sure that i can afford to print the next one much less you know pay if i'm if i'm gonna pay anyone to work on it um but yeah it's a it's just like a constant churn so for someone who might be interested in submitting or know someone who is a talented artist what types of things would somebody submit uh like, is there a theme for each issue? Is it something that you, you look for specific types of art for each uh, issue or what type of things should be submitted, I guess? Yeah, I keep it really, really open. And I think you mentioned earlier it being unadulterated. That's something that I, from the beginning, and have consistently wanted to keep things unadulterated, unchanged, unedited. If somebody asks me to edit something, I will do that. But more often than not like I want your I want your raw perception I want your raw art I want your I mean anything from drawings illustrations photography poetry short stories articles literally anything um I only have two rules really for submissions and one is if you work in the coffee industry it can be about anything like if you are a barista you can take landscape photography. That's great. You can write a poem about your first love. I don't know. Um, but if you're in the coffee industry, it can be about anything. Second rule is if you're not in the coffee industry, then the submission should be about coffee. So say you're you're a, a consumer who just really loves specialty coffee. Take some photos of coffee. Take some photos of your favorite, you know, at, at your favorite cafe. Write a poem about the first really memorable specialty experience you had that really enticed you to, you know, as a consumer, be more mindful of, of the coffee that you're, that you're consuming. Um, or if write an article about the cafes in your town. Um, yeah, it's really, I, I wanted to make sure that it is what, whatever anyone wants to put into the world also like no hate speech of course um no no hate or discrimination but outside of that whatever anything wants to put 
or whatever anyone wants to put into the world, I want to showcase. I think that's a good rule for life in general. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think so too. I think that there are so many places in the world that try to edit, that try to cut things out, that try to not like that try to control and restrict people. Um, and I don't want to be that. I want to allow people to be exactly who they are and to celebrate them for who they are and for what they bring rather than to try and fit them into a box. And is it tough to keep that balance when you are thinking about things like, oh, sponsors and, you know, funding it? And is that something that ever comes to mind or is it something that you're probably only working with sponsors that wouldn't even have that be a topic of conversation? Yeah, that's kind of, I've, I decided from the beginning that I didn't want to have to change kind of in the same vein, I didn't want to have to change who I was or who the zine, what the zine is to fit a sponsor's requirements. Mm -hmm. Like if they want to support it, then they better support it. You know, like if they, if they want to, if they want to be part of this radical inclusivity, then they have to be willing to, to accept what that means. And I haven't really run into any issues with that um, yet. So hopefully I won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, ha I, that's just been something that I've, I've not had problems with because I also like, I think that the, I think that it's clear from what the zine is that I'm not going to do things differently. And if a sponsor wants to, if a sponsor wants to support what we do, they support what we do because it's what we do. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and even I don't even know if I consider this like media, but there's the problem with so many forms of media is you're getting their take, their spin, their viewpoint on a singular thing. Whereas this is like a collection of just really like you said, un unadulterated. You're mm -hmm. getting what you're getting and nobody's messing with it. And that's what I like most about it. And so I imagine sponsors probably after learning what it is, probably are on board with that. Yeah. Um, and I also so I have like different um, like ad pages that people that companies can buy into. And one thing that I really want, like, I don't want it to be like a, oh, I'm not going to conform to, you know, the sponsors, yeah. but I really want it to be an invitation of like, okay, you're a whatever, uh, a syrup company, but like in your ads, like, does that really showcase who you are? Like in your normal ads, in your normal, like the stuff that you put out there, like, does that really showcase who you are? Or like, tell me more about who you are. Like, I want to invite sponsors and, and people who are placing ads in the zine companies that are placing ads. I want to invite them to also show who they are because a lot of times I think, especially because of like the curated content and like rules of media, like, or, or advertising, like companies don't, like the people who work in companies don't get to show why they care about yeah. making a delicious uzu syrup, yeah. you know? Most coffee advertising is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sorry to say it, but just like I I get hyper targeted with coffee ads cuz it's like all I type. Yeah. And so I just get these coffee ads and you're just like, "Oh man, like, the, is that the best you the can messaging do? <laughs> and just like who you're trying to attract is like I or just this it's so 
one dimensional. Right. And right. so like th- show me more, show me who you actually are. Yeah. And so it's an interesting thing that like, how do you keep that balance of like taking sponsorship, taking ads, but also being really transparent that that's like, we need this because it is a business. This is how I'm trying to make a living. And, yeah. and I mean, it's, tr- it's true of any business. It's true sure. of my business that there are things that's like, why'd you do that? It's like, cause I have rent every month. Like yeah. it, they don't like every month. It's crazy. They make me pay it every single every month. Time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's, that's some, been something that's really, I'm really grateful that I was able to move home so that I can not have rent so that I can s- spend my time yeah. working on the zine. And I think we haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, with issue 10, I personally, or coffee people as a business is making $0 from any of the sales. We're paying what we, I've already paid all of the artists, a split of sales coming in from um, September. And then all future sales are going to the Okra Project and the Bale Project, which are two organizations that support communities of color, especially the most marginalized people of, of color, um, folks who have been incarcerated and uh, trans uh, folks of color. So, um, yeah, so I wouldn't have been able to do that yeah. if I hadn't been able to move home with my parents because I would have had to have rent. I would have had to have, I would have had to make money off of this issue. Um, and that's something that, kind of in the same line of, you know, I'm not, I am not the person as a white person to edit and put together this issue. Mm. I also, as a white person should not be benefiting and not be making money, uh, off of the sale of the art of, of the black folks who have so graciously put their art in here. So yeah, that, I mean, living at home has allowed me to, to do that. So I'm thankful for my parents for for that. (laughs) And like, it doesn't get more real than that. And, that. and that's exactly alluding back to what we were talking about earlier. That it's like, this isn't some like marketing stick. This isn't like. I would not <laughs> prefer to live with my parents. Oh, I'll well, just say. Well, and the whole thing of just like the messaging, just like we see you. I'm like that, like, that message alone, I, maybe the intention is good, but like that, if that's all you're doing is I see you. Right. Sure. I see you. Right. And then you're like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And. Keep going. You're like, that was it actually. Yeah. yeah we have a sale next week. You should check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now buy our stuff so that we can profit off of saying that we see you. Yeah. And so being able to take the situation you're in and being able to kind of like change your own lifestyle to be able to do that is like such an impactful thing. And it's, you know, it's kind of something that I think it, I lived at home for two years to be able to start what, what we're doing now. And it is something that like, it takes a huge hit to your ego and makes you evaluate like what, the things you care about when you start to realize that you go, Oh, but this is allowing me to do the things that I want to do. And, and, and in your case, allowing the thing you wanted to do is help as much as you could with your platform, which I think is a, such a genuinely cool thing to do. Thank you. Yeah, I just want I want to pay like I want to pay people for for their work, for their experience. And that's kind of talking about going into the future. That's something that I'm trying to figure out how to do into the future, um, because I would like to continue to pay contributors and artists. Uh, but I can't do that every time yeah. if I ever want to move out of my parents yeah and it's like we get in the same situation too especially on like the creative side is you know i i I stretch what i can do personally but we're at the point now where i was like we need better stuff and 
it's kind of like you have to be like if if you help me now that like when we get to the point that like we, we want to help you too it's, it's a tough thing where you're kind of it, I feel so dirty sometimes like asking someone to do something knowing that I can't pay them what they deserve but that's just like the whole goal is uh, one thing in business that I say outwardly so that people can hold me accountable for it is I don't want to make any decision that's not going to make everyone involved in a better situation mm-hmm. uh, and, and so I say that outwardly so that I can get called out later if I don't follow through on that word and, and mm-hmm. I mean it's something you've done just in like now that not many people are like yeah I'll do it when I can afford it and mm-hmm. you're like I'm gonna make it so I can afford it <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna make it so I don't have anything that will make me not be able to afford it which For is like sure. a really cool thing and mo- a lot I think a lot of people in your situation with the platform you have would be like all right I don't have rent now I can start saving money and let's launch and go sell as much of this issue as possible and so just very commendable what you're doing I know that's not why you do it but I think it deserves a huge shout out thank you um Outside of that, next issue, do you know what we can expect or kind of your what, what we're seeing coming into that issue just already a couple of months out? Yeah, we have a couple of submissions in so far. And I mean, it's I'm like having a bit of anxiety because I'm like, how do I follow up <laughs> issue 10? Because issue 10 is so brilliant. Um, but again, like I said, it, it falls into the canon of of the zine. So I don't think that it's going to be I, do, I don't feel like it's going to be issue 11 isn't going to be something that's totally a deviation it's going to be something that's continued in the in the realm beautiful art beautiful photography wonderful poetry short stories um i am intentionally looking at integrating more um of the of the voices that are in issue 10 because uh, a lot of a lot of times people who have submitted work for one issue will submit to two or three um so i'm hoping to kind of or hope not hoping to working towards integrating more voices of color mm. into issue eleven, but again, not as like a oh hey, like th- this is a this is a, an activist issue. It's just here here is more art. Here's well, more beautiful the, art. Yeah, the way I, the way I look at diversity in general is like life is way more interesting the more viewpoints you have and the more. People are interesting and to try to put somebody into one category and say you have to be in these categories and I'm not going to like you if you're not is ridiculous to me. Yeah, sure. Like it makes life more boring (laughs) at the very least. And and, and so sometimes you look at the it's like a very simplistic way of viewing it. But you go like, what is your hate really rooted in? Like, it's just maybe it makes you uncomfortable, but things that make you uncomfortable generally will make you better. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and like we can say as white people, you know, the 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 best case scenario is that life is boring, but for people of color, for trans folks who are like literally being murdered because of, of their identity, like for other people, it is a a matter of life and death. It is a matter of being heard and recognized as human or dehumanized and thrown aside. So, um, yeah, anyway, so that's a, that's a very good point. And it's an, it is, I like I need to challenge my own views of what these issues are because like life and death is a very real thing and it, it's sometimes it's easy to absorb things so quickly with social media that you're just like yep this is an issue yep I feel I feel about it this way so I'm good versus right, like sure. trying to actively get better about it which yeah. you know as a small business uh, is tough but it's like as a person how can I as a person right. help to address these issues and better myself yeah for sure and there are like there are a lot of books on anti-racism workshops on anti-racism I mean YouTube videos on anti-racism that are 
I think crucial for especially those of us us who have uh, who have created platforms for ourselves that also give plat- that also invite other people onto these platforms so that we can be aware of of you know what we're putting out into the world who we're who we're inviting in and who we're even even uh, accidentally leaving out but with with this issue specifically have you found anything because there is like kind of the the argument that you see within coffee that's like well i'm not doing anything racist it's just you know the people that applied to my shop the people that i interact with the people that come forward to be in these positions just aren't of color that's not my problem which i it's it's a valid argument that that if the only people that apply are all of one one race one gender one whatever is it on the shop owner is there anything from this issue that kind of any insights that you gained into what people can do to make someone so you're kind of running into it a little bit of like how can i get people to feel more emboldened to submit artwork to submit to the coffee people zine is there something that's applicable to shop owners to people within the industry that like hey when i put the word out there it's People apply who apply, and what can I do about that? Right. Well, I think that the the assumption. I, th- I think that there 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 is like so many dynamics to all of that, and I think the assumption is that well, that you know, mostly white people apply. Mostly, you know, but we I th- we just have to, I think we have to challenge our assumptions about like like you said like why why is it that mostly white people are applying for this one job well who owns cafes you know i don't know i i'm having it's trouble it's a tough one yeah. i i honestly i've racked my brain because it's like it's like kind of a it's a catch 22 it's a di- it, honestly it's a difficult thing to say outwardly because it's easy to pick apart and it can make me look really bad but it's like sometimes just saying like something as simple as saying like how do you phrase it of like we want every anyone and all are welcome to apply right versus well, and i think i think that part of part of that well it, i think that it's hard to say overall for like that everyone because a cafe owner will have a different role than a manager yeah. than a shift lead than a barista than a roaster than an investor than whatever um so it's hard to say one thing that everyone should do i mean first of all everyone should be actively working on anti-racism within themselves so that they can notice those um, patterns, those systems that are in place. Um, I mean, I, like what you said about like what that a, a defense, I suppose, is well, you know, no people of color are applying here. Mm-hmm. That's honestly one thing that drove me to create issue 10 Mm -hmm. is because I looked at kind of the demographics and I was like, I don't have a lot of people of color who are submitting their work. And I know people of color in the industry who are musicians, who Mm -hmm. are artists, who are photographers. Like, why are they like, I say that I have this open platform, but like, what, where is the, where is the like gap in what I'm saying and who I'm saying it to and who I'm not saying it to when I say, you know, I, I kind of have used the analogy of like, say you're in a, say you're in a small town, like medieval town, and you build a platform in the middle, in the middle of the city, like, I don't know, soapbox sort of style. And you stand on there to shout whatever you want to say. And you invite other people up to shout whatever they want to say. That's kind of how I see the zine. Mm -hmm. It's like, I built this platform in the middle of 
the specialty coffee city and I'm inviting people to say what they want to say, share what they want to share. But what I have to look at is where did I build? Like where in the city did I build that? Did I build it in a place where a lot of people of color are not located? And is that because of we don't have to go like way, way into it, but like zoning laws, is that because of history? Is that because they see only other white people standing on this platform and they're like, yeah, that's not for me. Is it because people of, you know, people are uninterested in it is, you know, whatever. Um, But I've heard a lot of times that defense of from white shop owners well, people of color don't apply, and so we can only hire people who apply. But that isn't really taking responsibility of where are you advertising mm. your jobs? Are you are you actively looking for people who are not white? Are you actively like it? Are all of your is your cafe in a a gentrified part of a neighborhood where yeah, and social people, media is a big part of this too. Is right. that the risk of the echo chamber? That's sure. that's the first thing that popped in my head when you said that. That you go, that's a really good point of where because social media for us is like that's that's the only place we get our messaging across at right. all, right? Because uh, yeah. we don't have the resources to advertise on big platforms or whatever. Right. But making a more concerted effort of like, hey, we know who our followers are; they know who we are, but. The only way to reach people that we don't already engage with is you have to get creative with it and find alternative ways to be able to do it. Yeah, and you have to be intentional. You have to say like, okay, I want to I want to reach people who I haven't reached before. First of all, why do you want to reach them? And second of all, like, how can you how like do they care? <laughs> like, do, yeah. are they interested in in you know being part of it um, or or being reached by you or um, and and. I think being intentional is a really is a really key piece being really like self-critical mm. um and and open open to listening I think as well um but yeah I mean it's a hard I think every every person in in a cafe has a different role to play um and like I mean I'd I think also geographically, like in Denver, there definitely are people of color, but there are fewer people of color than there are maybe in New York or, you know, whatever. Um, So there's also, everybody will have a different, a different role, a different approach. I think that it's, it's challenging our assumptions, challenging our preconceived ideas, working actively on anti-racism within ourselves so that we can bring that to the things that we are part of is just crucial. Yeah, it's, it, well, and, and I think one thing for me is like anyone who thinks they have a simple answer, it's probably, it's not right uh, there. And the, the, I think the, uh, the thing I've realized is there is no right. There is no wrong answer for, so anyone who speaks in absolute, di- di- what would you call it? Certainties. Mm-hmm. Sorry, like you're not right, but neither am I. Sure. Uh, and so anyone who's speaking absolute certainty, well, no one applied, so it's not my fault. You know, that's mm-hmm. an absolute certainty that you go, you're not wrong, but also you're not right. right. And I think sure. with an issue like this, always admitting that like I'll never be fully right on this and maybe I'm not wrong, but that doesn't mean that I can just say I'm not wrong. So it's not sure. me. Yeah. Uh, well, and even I think it's, it's interesting because even that question 
I think like the question of, well, no people of color applied assumes that like the ownership is white, which is rooted in the power structures that, that already exist. Yes, so even something like starting that. starting out on a, we're starting out with assumptions. Yes. And, and so if we can even be self-critical of that and backtrack that, like, oh, why do I think that white people are having, like white people are shop owners and they're having trouble hiring people of color? Yeah. One well, of, of course, for this example, that's kind of the underlying assumption of the, the kind of the argument being made here. Um, so it is a unique situation, but this is, it's a good point as well. Yeah, and like, I, I think, yeah, I think that's what it is for me. And that's what I liked about this. It is, it's something to further challenge the way I think. And I, I try to seek out stuff that challenges how I think. Cause I just, you know, there's a point in my life where I was like, no, I get it. Like I'm 25. I get it. I know how things work. <laughs> like I, anyone's going to try to tell me different. They just don't know as better as I do. And now it's like, oh, I'm always wrong. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not ever completely right. And there is always room to improve in anything yeah. w- with, th- with these issues, with anything in life, there's always room to improve. Yeah. And I, I mean, I tell everyone around me that all the time. It's like, everything's kind of made up. And so if there's ever something that you feel like I'm not doing right or something I could do better, just challenge it on me or challenge me on it immediately. Mm -hmm. And just even something as simple as that, as those around you that I want you to challenge me because that's what makes everyone better. Yeah. Uh, And this, this issue is an excellent example of it, but just your entire platform is very cool. What you're doing is very cool. I I highly recommend uh, people check out Coffee People Zine. Subscribe to it for for a year. It's an awesome platform. It's just like at the very least, it's just something awesome to have around and be able to look through and read stories from people from different perspectives that you would never get unless you're doing what you're doing. And it's really hard work to go out and get people to submit things that are very private and personal to them. So this is something that you would not be able to go out and curate on your own without hours and hours and months of work. And so check it out. Uh, Really cool what you're doing. I'm really glad we got to meet. So, uh, and I really enjoy having you in here and uh, yeah, some like these are tough topics and I'm sure they're, it's like, it's, there's never right or wrong answer. And you know, I'm, I probably, I'm sure that I've misspoken in this. That's and exactly so, what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm sure I've said a couple of things that people are going to be like, how dare you, you know, how dare you have that thought? But it's like, I think it's more important to say the wrong thought and be able to have the discussion about why, why is it or have a better understanding than to just keep it all inside and just be like, I really hope I don't ever mess up because yeah. if I've learned one thing is I will mess up every single day. And the best thing is when people feel emboldened to say so. Yeah. Well, and like <laughs> you just said, you know, I'm not always right. But, and the thing, the thought that occurred to me was like, not always right, always learning. That's yeah. the thing that I, I think that, you know, we should we should strive for both in like social justice, anti-racism, um, anti-bigotry in general, um, but also just in like in life. Like and, and that's one thing also that, you know, it's it's really the zine is an art zine. It's mm. about it's about art and you can always improve at art. You can always improve in, in in creativity and maybe not improve but you can always learn new ways of doing things and and that's what i really love about being centered in the creative side of things is there isn't just a right a wrong way to brew coffee there isn't a right a wrong way to to do that um to make art but you can always be learning always be developing and always be getting better if, if you're open to it. Yeah. And this, well, I was having a conversation with my buddy who's a, co- a comedy writer that we did an episode and just messed around almost the entire time. But the, the, the same theme comes up. Like, hey, 10 years from now, we're going to look back to who we are now and be like, oh my God, I thought <laughs> it, tw- I thought I had it, I thought I had it figured out. I thought I got it. And then another 10 years from now, you're gonna be like, holy smoke. Like, 
no idea what I was talking about. And I sound like an idiot. And so it's, that's how I look at it is like, it's, it's not hard to stay humble when you're like, I'm probably an idiot about <laughs> most things I say, according to Rob 10 years from now, <laughs> like not according to someone else. Cause like, yeah. I try not to listen to that, but like me from 10 years from now, we'll probably look back and be like, you know what? You're not, you don't get it, it that much, dude. Yeah, like you don't it get it that yet. much. <laughs> yeah. And so I uh, really appreciate you coming in, to, yeah, in uh, so taking the time. Me. Yeah. This will, this will go up uh, a few weeks from now. We got a couple awesome. in the can and, uh, uh, we will do a big promotion around the next issue, which would probably be coming out like, uh, when does the next one come out? So the next one will be coming out the 15th of December is when I'm going to sh- uh, ship it out. Oh, usually, usually it's around like the 20th to the 22nd. Uh, but because of Christmas and a yeah. holiday, especially with shipping delays these days, um, I'm going to ship it out an extra week early cool. so that it will hopefully get to people before holiday. Well, when this stuff. episode comes out, we'll do a big push for submissions. Yeah. Try to get yes. people submitting for, for the episode. And then uh, when the next one comes out, we'll be sure to push that as well. Perfect. So I think what you're doing is really, really killer. Awesome. Thank you. Got yeah. It. People can submit. Um, I have the link on the Instagram. So cool. that's the, that's the best way to find out where to submit. And if anyone has any questions out there, you feel free to send me an email. It's cat K A T at coffeepeople.org. Um, I'm on my email nearly every day. So, uh, yeah, shoot me an email, send me an Instagram message, um, at coffee people zine. My personal Instagram is at coffee, Catherine, Catherine spelled K A T H R Y N. So yeah. So you got reach out. you got that handle without like any dots or anything. I know. Well, I wanted it to be coffee cat, but that one is that was taken. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would have had to have a couple dots, a couple, you know, parentheses. I could, or- <laughs> if I could redo my personal one, I would. Yeah. So I did Rob the Bathman. My last name is Bath, but now everyone thinks it's Bath. <laughs> I mean, I, like somebody I know really well is like, I thought your last name was, I thought your last name was Bathman. I thought it was like Bathman or something like that. That's I was like, hilarious. this is supposed to sound like Batman and nobody gets it. Now I look like an idiot. Oh, that's all right. Cool. Uh, well, we will end the episode there and I'll end yeah. it like I end everyone and say, have a nice day.